If you have access to money, you're really a deal magnet. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. My mom always said it's rude to keep people waiting. Well, best ever listeners, that's exactly what you're doing if you're not funding your deals with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that matches up your deals with accredited and institutional investors who want to invest in your deal. Patch of Land literally has thousands of investors ready to fund your next deal. You don't want to keep them waiting, do you? And guess what? It's a lightning quick process too. In fact, the average patch of land loan closes in just seven days. Is a five to seven day close faster than how long it currently takes you to close on financing? And just think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have all of your financing needs taken care of for all of your deals? How many more deals could you close if you already knew where the money was coming from? With Patch of Land, you no longer have to worry about the financing part. They've got it taken care of for you. Go to Patch of Land and find out how to get your next deal funded by the thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Go to patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Josh Cantwell. Hi, Josh. Hey, what's up, Joe? How you doing? Doing well, and thanks for joining us, and I'm excited to have you on the show. Josh is joining us from Cleveland, Ohio. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Strategic Real Estate Coach. He has bought and sold almost 700 properties across 25 states, all across the United States. He has experience in strategies such as rehabs, rentals, foreclosures, and pre-foreclosures and short sales. And now he's primarily focused on raising capital and doing the larger deals. He currently has his own portfolio of both single family residential and commercial buildings. And he is actively doing this stuff. And he's also, as the company would imply, he's also helping others along the way do the same thing. And he has a really inspiring story from his interesting fact standpoint that he's going to share with us. So with that being said, Josh, can you share your best ever interesting fact? And then also a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, sure. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks again for having me on. So My best ever interesting fact is that my personal, financial, and physical (laughs) life came crashing down in 2011. I am a pancreatic cancer survivor, and uh, at about the same time that the real estate market was changing and I was focused primarily on short sales and pre-foreclosures prior to 2010, and with all the changes that government made and changes to financing and short sales, that strategy came crashing to a halt in 2011. At the same exact time, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and my son, who wasn't born yet, also had a giant cyst in his neck. And so in mid to late 2011, I was struggling to keep my health together. I went through a giant, crazy, wicked surgery, was struggling to make sure that my son was, was healthy. And that whole time really allowed me to uh, take a step back from my real estate business as 
the short sell market was crumbling around me and kind of forced me to reevaluate where I was going with my real estate career. And so I would say that my success that I'm having today is a part of it is a big function of the fact that I had to take seven months away from my business to reevaluate my health and my life and my real estate career. And I was able to relaunch my real estate business coming back from my surgery. And that's where we're at today. So as a pancreatic cancer survivor, honestly, there's uh, I'm lucky to be a survivor, but I say there's no better thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life than to uh, be diagnosed and survive pancreatic cancer. And how are you doing and how is your son doing now? Great question. Thanks for asking, Joe. So I am totally healthy. I am three years cancer free and my son is also totally healthy. He's three years since he had this kind of strange cyst in his neck when he was born and he was having trouble breathing two weeks into his life. And so I had to rush him back to the hospital and his cyst was taken out of his neck. I was actually diagnosed while he was still in the hospital. So it was a very strange and trying time in my life. But here we are three years out and I'm, I'm as healthy as could be and so is he. So thanks for asking and we're looking forward to the future. I'm glad to hear that you two are healthy now and I can't imagine those circumstances kind of going on top of one another and overlapping and then combining that with the business of, you know, the short sale market wasn't performing like it used to where you had built your business to that point. So whenever you identified the short sale, you know, need to get out of it or at least change your focus, what do you immediately do? What's the next step? You're noticing that deals are starting to dry up. What do you do? Gotcha. Yeah. So for me, it became after being in real estate for seven years full time and flipping a lot of short sales and wholesaling and doing some rehabs. I quickly realized that no matter what strategy somebody was involved in, that having access to funding and flexible, cheap, private money was for sure going to solve everything. And so my mantra became funding equals freedom. And I started learning everything I could about private money and not, not just you know buying courses and tapes from other real estate instructors, but really getting into business development and getting into the Securities and Exchange Commission and hiring an SEC lawyer. And I realized that there was a lot of misinformation out there in the marketplace about private money. And I really focused on raising private capital for the past three years. And sort of the way this started, Joe, was I bought a property two weeks before my surgery and it needed some repairs and rehab. We outsourced the improvements we had a general contractor that took care of most of the work. And while I was uh, recovering from surgery, I had a 10-hour surgery. I lost 50 pounds, right? And I was mostly upstairs in my bedroom uh, recovering, just relaxing, watching movies, stuff like that, really trying to stay off my feet for about three or four months, um, really trying to just, uh, you know, just get healthy again. And during that whole time, I was able to flip a property, launch it, and sell it. And in less than five months, we made about $40,000, $41,000. And then I thought to myself, hey, if I could just do that again, if I could get one person to give me their money to fund a deal, I could do that again, and that was going to be $80,000. And then I thought, if I could just get another person, and I could do two deals a year with their money, I could flip four houses, and you know, we could make $160,000. And then that was easy. I'd just you know, get another person to give me their money, and 
I could do two deals a year with their money. And that was 240,000. And things started to kind of compound on top of that. Coming back from my surgery, we closed four or five deals in a row in the matter of two or three months that were all big profit deals, 30, 40, 50, $60,000 profits. But we needed private money to fund them all because they were deals that were going to take two, three, four, six months. And then, you know, I really started to sink in with me, you know, this is really my background anyway. I used to be a financial advisor and I used to raise private capital and, you know, we put that money in the stock market, annuities, you know, uh, mutual funds and those kind of things. And so I thought to myself, you know what, this is really the true answer to being a real estate investor and a real estate entrepreneur is fighting, scratching, clawing, and knowing, having the knowledge to get all the different types of funding and financing that I would need. And so for the past two and a half years, since my surgery, Joe, I've, I've focused almost exclusively on raising money, raising money, raising money, because if you have access to money, you're really a deal magnet. You know, people, realtors, wholesalers, other real estate investors, newbies, even seasoned people, everybody eventually runs out of money. And if you're the guy or the gal that has access to lots of money, there's going to be great deals out there that somebody else cannot get funded. And they're going to bring those deals to you. And so that's really kind of backwards to what most real estate investors do and what they think is I want to go find good deals first and then I'll find the funding or I'll find good deals and then I'll just wholesale them if I don't have the funding. For me, it's been the exact opposite. I've focused exclusively on getting the funding and deals just seem to to come my way. I'm like a deal magnet for deals because people know that I can close. I can close quick. I just bought a commercial building about two or three weeks ago, Joe. It was appraised at $1.2 million. The guy was in foreclosure and I bought it for $200,000. It needs almost no work at all because the guy knew I could close. And I closed in, in two weeks on a commercial building, two weeks from the day it came into my office. And so that was sort of the epiphany that happened for me coming out of my surgery. You mentioned when you first started studying up on funding equals freedom and had that mantra and started learning how to raise money. There were some myths out there about private money. What were some of the myths or what are some of those myths? So I was, you know, sort of unsure, unclear about the rules, the real legal rules of private money. So I got in touch with some friends who, you know, got in touch with me with some really good securities lawyers. And I bought some time with some really good securities lawyers. And the truth is, is that anytime you borrow money from a private investor, whether it's a self-directed IRA or they have money in a brokerage account or a savings account and they're lending to you and you're the borrower, they are issuing you a security, a note with a promise to repay with any form of interest or equity attached to it with a promise of a return. So whether it be a debt or whether it be equity in a deal, that is a security. And so I think most real estate instructors really don't understand. And so in turn, their students don't understand that every time a note and a mortgage has been issued, that is a form of a security. That is a security. A lot of people say, well, it's a fixed note or it's a fixed mortgage. It's not a security. Well, it's a security. There's no easier way to, to put it. And so what I realized was that every state has what's called an intra state offering that allows you to raise a certain amount of capital and have a certain number of private lenders in your state. And so if you, your real estate business, your private lenders, and your properties are all within your state, 
That's called an intrastate offering. And you can raise a certain amount of capital within your state without having to do any registrations at all. Once you go beyond that, Joe, if you can cross state lines, if you raise more than a million dollars in most states, if, if you have more than a certain number of private lenders, or you, your business, your private lenders, or your properties are across state lines, you are now regulated by the federal SEC. The myth is most people have been raising money for their real estate deals, not really knowing and understanding that they are regulated, they need to be compliant with federal SEC laws. But I'm baffled still by how many people are out there raising private money and don't know that they're should be compliant with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or they should be compliant with their state Securities and Exchange Commission. And they're raising money through the offering of securities. So I was baffled by how few the students knew, and I was really baffled by how few and how little a lot of the other real estate instructors knew about that subject. And so I decided I was going to be the expert on that topic. And I've surrounded myself with people who are like, for instance, my securities lawyer, Ralph Sherman, is licensed to practice securities law all the way up to the Supreme Court. And so, you know, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars with him to understand the rules. And that's the myth. The myth is that when you're raising money from private investors, that you're not dealing in securities. You are dealing in securities and you need to make sure that you're doing it the right way. For an investor starting out looking to raise money for his or her first deal, how much should they expect to pay to put together the private placement memorandum and any accompanying documents for their first deal? That's a great question. So the truth is, if they're going to stay within their state, they don't need that stuff. All states have an exemption and a certain number of private lenders or notes that you can have before you have to register. So as a new investor, the first thing that someone should do is they should stay within their state their uh, LLC or their corporations should be registered in their state, their private lenders should be within the state lines, and their properties should be within the state lines. And if they do that, my securities lawyer, Ralph, has told me they are then regulated by their state SEC. In most states, you can have a certain number of private lenders or a certain number of notes and not have to do any filing or any registration at all. You don't have to have an executive summary. You don't have to have a private placement memorandum as long as you're staying within your state and you're staying under the threshold. So, for example, in Alabama, you can have 10 private lenders with no filing. In California, you can have 35 private lenders with no filing. In Idaho, you can have 10 private lenders with no filing. In Missouri, you can have 25 private lenders with no filing. In Ohio, you can have up to 10 private lenders with no filing. So they all have a threshold that you can go up to. This is basically businesses within the state. The state wants businesses to be able to raise money, not just real estate businesses, but all kind of businesses to be able to raise money without having too much of a handcuff. So the first thing I would recommend for a new investor, Joe, is they stay within their state and they raise up to the threshold in their state. They don't need any of those documents. Now, they should always have a disclosure document where they disclose to their private lenders what the risks are, but that can be a simple one or two or three-page disclosure document of what you're doing, what you're using the money for, who are you, what's your background, stuff like that. You don't need any kind of expensive PPM or executive summary when you're staying within the state lines. 
And if you're not in the state lines? Now it's it, it varies widely, Joe. It's a great question. If you're going to crisscross state lines and you're going to invest in different areas or you're going to you're going to raise millions and millions of dollars, now you're going to be regulated by the federal SEC. And in that case, you want to hire a great securities lawyer. You know, Ralph Sherman from St. Clair Shores, Michigan. It's my lawyer. He's a great guy. He's registered all the way up to the Supreme Court. There's another great securities lawyer named Anthony Jirasi, who's out of California, who's a great guy. And those vary widely. You know, some securities lawyers will charge 10, 15, 20 grand for a PPM and an executive summary for one registration. Some lawyers will charge $5,000 for a registration. So they vary widely. But if you're going to go on a federal uh, level, you actually don't have to pay to register with the federal SEC to raise money. What you're actually paying the attorney for is to create the documents, the disclosure documents. And that's sort of the CYA, you know, cover your butt documents that you should have. Because if you borrow money from somebody and they lose money and they sue you, the SEC is almost always going to take the side of the lender, the person who lost money. They're always going to take that person's side unless you have a great disclosure document. So what you're really paying for in that PPM and executive summary is the disclosures. And those can vary between, you know, five to $12,000 for one PPM. You know, my securities lawyer, because I give him a lot of business, he gives my uh, subscribers and my students a really good deal. And he'll sometimes do two PPMs for six, eight, $10,000. Based on your experience, Josh, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Ah, great question. So we're talking about funding. My best real estate investing advice ever is no matter if you're a new, an intermediate, or advanced investor, is to focus on funding. Funding equals freedom. So now I, you know, if I was starting over and rewound 10 years ago and was starting over, I would have focused almost exclusively on funding. Because if you have the funding, you're going to be a deal magnet. People are going to bring deals to you. And so, you know, get to know your state securities laws, get to know a great securities lawyer and get registered properly and raise tons and tons of private capital. And matter of fact, there's one little niche, Joe, even within that. The Jobs Act of 2012, okay, (laughs) through the Jobs Act of 2012, the government removed an 80-year ban on securities advertising. So you can now advertise to the general public, but you have to advertise to accredited investors only. So if you have what's called a 506C federal registration, you can advertise to the public and you can advertise to accredited investors. You can only take money from accredited investors. So best advice I would ever give is to understand funding, raise tons of private money, focus on that first, and specifically focus on the 506C federal registration. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Rock and roll. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Don't you deserve to have all your deals funded in lightning quick speed? I agree. That's why I've partnered up with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, to bring you the best crowdfunding crash course ever, where you get all the info you need to know about crowdfunding so that you can close more deals. Tune in every Sunday this February, and you'll be treated to the best crowdfunding crash course ever. All right, Josh, best ever book you've read. Work the System by Sam Carpenter. 
best ever listeners. I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Best ever personal growth experience for sure was actually getting cancer because you realize what you're made of. You realize really just how supportive your friends and family are. You realize what kind of challenges you can overcome. And I realize there's a lot of people that don't survive cancer, but I think even the experience of having it, and I was fortunate enough to survive, is the lessons that I learned while having it about myself, about what was important to me, what was important to my wife and my children. Coming out of that, that experience for me was a life changer. Best ever success habit you practice? My best ever success habit that I practice for sure, Joe, is that almost every night I post and prioritize my next day. So I open up my computer. Sometimes it could be for as little as five minutes. Sometimes it's for as long as a couple hours. And I look at the rest of my day, the next day, the rest of the next week, the rest of the next month. And I post all my priorities of what I need to get done and the rest of my staff needs to get done. We prioritize that and then we immediately schedule it into our calendars. And so a lot of people, I think, they start their day and they're kind of winging it. They kind of wake up and they kind of work out of their email inbox. Whatever's in their inbox is what they're working on because that's what's demanding time from them. And I would say, you know, one of the things I've done and successfully worked for me is I attack the day every morning because I know exactly what needs to get done. And I'm one of the people who are pushing emails out and pushing other people to get things done. And I'm very proactive as opposed to reactive because I know exactly what's important to me because I did it the night before. Best ever deal you've done. I don't know if it's the best one I ever did, but it's the best one I can remember recently, which is this commercial deal that I just bought. It was an off-market, single-use, 10,000-square-foot medical office building. Uh, It was off-market. It was owned by a developer. Uh, The developer did not want the public to know that this building was in foreclosure because he has a lot of other assets and other you know, really good projects, golf courses and developments and all kinds of things he's doing. Uh, so I was able to buy a building that was appraised at 850000 It was mortgaged up to $1.2 million, and I bought it for $185,000, and I just bought it two weeks ago. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? The project I'm most excited about right now is we started our own private equity funds and our own direct lending businesses about four months ago. We were so successful at raising money uh, for our own business that there was a sort of spillover of private capital, private money that we couldn't use. And so I partnered up with two friends of mine, Glenn and Brian, that I've you know known for 10 plus years apiece. We started our own private equity funds, one for accredited investors, one for non, and two direct lending companies, again, one for accredited and one for non. And we're currently making loans to my clients and my students all over the country. Uh, we're an asset-based lender which means that somebody could bring us a real estate deal and we look at the asset, we look at the deal, not their ability to repay the loan, not their ability, you know, what their debt to income ratio is or how much money they have in the bank. We look at the asset and we are uh, lending to my clients and students from that private equity fund uh, and we underwrite and originate deals based on the asset. That's the project that I'm into right now because the number one challenge that real estate investors have is getting funding. And this is our way to solve that problem. Best ever quote. Best ever quote is from Sam Carpenter, which is from the book Work the System. And I'm actually 
looking at that quote right now, I have it posted up in my office, and the quote goes like this. It says, leadership must focus on improving processes, not on performing the work or repeatedly snuffing out brush fires. Quality products or services, a stable staff, and profitability are the result of the quality systems that underlie them, not the reverse. Sounds like your success habit that you practice. That's right. As a leader in my companies, you know, I'm the CEO of 10 different businesses, um, including the private equity funds, our coaching business, my investment companies, et cetera, et cetera. As a leader and as my management team, I have seven guys on my management team. We have about 50 employees all over the country. My leadership team and I, we have to focus on improving processes, creating systems, creating documented procedures, because employees and staff members, they want to do a really good job. And I think where employees fail is when the leadership team has not given them the procedures and the checklists and the documents to be successful. And so my job and my executive leadership team's job is to create the procedures and improve the systems. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? You know, Joe, probably when I bought a house where there was a double homicide. (laughs) So quick short story, back in 2005, uh, we found a house in direct mail. It was a pre-foreclosure short sale and it was a realtor that owned the house and we basically took over the property subject to, and we were negotiating the debt on a short sale. And three weeks after we took it over, the realtor thought she had equity in the property and we thought she had equity in the property too. So we cut her a check for 25 grand to basically buy the deed. And she deeded it into a trust and we were the beneficiary of the trust. So we gave her $25,000 and three weeks later, into our fax machine came a set of disclosures where there was a double homicide in the property about six or eight or 10 years prior. Apparently there was a a young boy, a young man who has uh, paranoid schizophrenia and killed his parents while they were sleeping. Uh, He suffered from mental illness and uh, killed his parents. Well, everybody in the neighborhood knew about it and we were dumb enough to give her $25,000. We were dumb enough to take it over. We were dumb enough to not acquire disclosures from her and we ended up taking this property over. Long story short, Joe, we probably lost, I don't know, about 80,000 bucks on that deal from start to finish. (laughs) Now you ask for disclosures before any money's transferred. That's correct, absolutely. Every time I learned that lesson once, I don't wanna go back down that road again. What's the best ever place to reach you? The best place to reach me, it would be at my office. You know, my staff, if uh, somebody has a personal question and wants to reach me directly, My staff will take the phone. The phone number is 877-811-3011. Our email is support at srecnow.com. And our website is strategicrealestatecoach.com. And so, you know, if it's somebody new that has a question about funding or a question about a deal, we'd be happy to take care of them and answer their questions. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners. And one of the takeaways, I mean, this is clearly a conversation around raising private capital. Correct. And your tagline of funding equals freedom resonates. The more people I talk to, the more I realize that raising money is at the top of the real estate mountain, period. If you have access to capital, 
then you can do anything. And as you said, you become a deal magnet. And I, I love that. And I, I like how you specifically talked about the differences because I, I haven't heard too many, or really, quite frankly, I haven't heard anyone talk about the differences between the intrastate offering and the federal offering. And, uh, you know, how if you stay within the state, then you don't need all the legal stuff. That's right. But there are certain requirements that you need to be aware of. And I'm, I'm really fortunate that, you know, you were able to share that advice. And I'm grateful for that. And I, I know the best ever listeners are as well. In addition to kind of your, your cautionary tale of the, you know, the mistakes with the seller disclosure. Um, that's something that if people are not currently raising money, perhaps they're just beginning and looking for their first deal, then that certainly would be something that they need to be aware of. So thank you so much for being on the show, Josh, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Joe. Appreciate it. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.